Isaiah 52. We were just in Isaiah 55 a moment ago, right? So Isaiah 52 and verse 1. Everybody have that? Okay. All right, let's read that together. Ready, read. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shall no longer come to you. Again, it says, awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Today, I want to talk on the subject, beautiful garments, beautiful garments. Father, today, thank you for the word that we're about to, about to receive. I thank you that these, your people, have gathered together, those that are here, those that are watching now, and those who are watching on the replay, that, God, that I pray that each heart will be open to receive and conceive the seed of the word that will be sown into our hearts today, Father. And I pray, Father, that every hindering force the devil has tried to set up and will try to set up will be removed instantly. Now, we plead the blood over the word. We plead the blood over our own hearts that, God, the word will go forth unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. So we receive, we thank you, we conceive the word of God, and God, we shall bring forth that which you've sent, this seed to produce, we pray. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. 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 All right, take your seats again. Beautiful garments. Beautiful garments. Again, we've been looking at um, God's desire to make our lives beautiful. I don't know how many of y'all have trekked that the last several weeks. We've been talking on the subject of beauty. We started talking about year, uh, a few weeks ago, ugly death, beautiful life. Remember that? Remember that? Right, right, right before uh, resurrection, we're talking about ugly death, beautiful life. So we've been on that track of beauty for uh, several weeks now. And so God's desire is to make our lives beautiful. And I've been telling you that no matter where you and I are or where you and I were when God found us, God knows how, he knows when uh, to make our lives beautiful. And that's God's end goal. Amen? God is looking to always raise us up to a higher place, a higher plane than he found us. You know how some people, they, they, can, they rent a car and turn it back in worse than they found it, or they rent a house, rent an apartment, they turn it back in worse than they found it. That's why, that's why those of you who are property investors, you almost hate renting to people. Because, you, you, know, you know, some people, they're going to bring it back worse than they found it. But that's not how we behave, is it? You and I, we rent a car, we bring it back better than we found it, right? They didn't clean it, but we're going to clean it. You rent an apartment, you rent a place, you're going to return it better. That's how we do, right? You borrow somebody's car, you borrow somebody else's lawnmower. <laughs> you don't pop the string and bring it back to them. You bring it back better than you found it, Right? So God always is going to lift us up to better than he found us. When he found us, we were a mess. But it's going to always lift us up. Okay? Now let's look at 1 Samuel 2 verse 8. 1 Samuel 2 verse 8. Hallelujah. I'm just going to resolve to not finish this today, so I'm just going to slow down and take my time. On, on, these, on these, you know, I, sometimes I can speed through these verses trying to get to the end, but I'm just going to take my time. If it takes us three messages to get this one out, we'll do it. Okay, so 1 Samuel 2 verse 8, look at what, this is, y'all remember Hannah, the mother of Samuel, she believed God for this child Samuel. Notice what she says after God begins to manifest. He said, she says, prophetically, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar 
from the ash heap. See, notice how he found him down there, but he raises and then he lifts. To do what? Set them among princes and to make and make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's, got it? And he has set the world upon them. So God is still in charge of this whole thing here. So he will lift up those who are down. He'll raise up those who are broken. You got it? Now let's look at this same verse in the Amplified Bible, please. Amplified, Amplified classic as it would be. It says he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the needy from what? To make them sit with? How many of y'all have been listening to the nobility teacher from Apostle Durban? To make them sit with nobles. I like that. And inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth of the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. One more place here. The CEV, Contemporary English Version. Contemporary English Version. Hallelujah. You lift the poor and homeless out of the garbage dump. Now I know none of y'all were ever in that situation, poor and homeless. <laughs> I'm just, I know it's some people in here, but some of y'all might have, you already arrived, now you forgot. But you lift the poor and homeless. See, notice how he finds them. But he lifts them out of the garbage dump and give them places of honor and royal palaces. Oh, Jesus. Now, now, I'm, I'm going to get way ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm just, this is a preview for coming attractions. That to take poor and homeless people out of a garbage dump and then give them places of honor and royal palaces, how many of you understand not only is their place going to change, not only is their position going to change, but their their, their garments must change. You can't, you can't dress in royal palaces and places of honor the way you dressed in the garbage dump. All glory to God. My point being is that God wants to raise everybody up. Okay? He wants to take Whatever's ugly and make it beautiful. How many of y'all be witnesses that your, your life started out ugly, pretty, pretty ugly? I mean, I mean, I don't mean when you were at home with your parents. When you were home with your parents, they had all the cereal in the, in the, in the cupboard and everything. I'm talking, I'm talking about when you got out on your own and you found out lights do cost something. You found out water does cost. You found out cereal does cost something. Bread, you know, you used to leave the bread bag open. Mom used to be mad at you. And now you, boy, you put that bread up. Now, you got to buy that bread. It's a different story here. So, you know, <laughs> hallelujah. I, 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 so, I went from all right when I was a child to poor when I was an adult. Because now I had to pay the bills. Right? So, we've all started, most of us have started here. I know some of y'all came out of college with, you know, 100 grand a year. But most of us didn't. Okay? Now, what God, God included with this plan something we call the anointing. Uh, I didn't give me the scripture, this is coming to me now. Isaiah 10, 27 talks about what the anointing is. Uh, it says that the yoke shall be destroyed and burdens shall be removed because of the anointing oil. King James just says because of the anointing. So the anointing is the yoke destroying 
burden-removing power of God. And we know it goes on that does you good and makes you glad. The Bible says God has anointed Jesus Christ with the oil of gladness more than all his companions. So the oil, the anointing makes you glad. It does you good and makes you glad. Right? But it removes burdens and it destroys yokes. Now the reason why people are trapped in ugliness is not because they desire to be there. Maybe I'm wrong. At least people I know don't desire to be in garbage dumps. They don't desire to be the bottom of the totem pole. They don't desire to be in a mess. They desire something better, but there's yokes that are on their lives that are holding them. Poverty is a yoke, and, and depression is a yoke, and bad mindsets. Those are yokes, those, and there are burdens that have been placed on people. But the anointing will, will uh, take away that yoke and remove and destroy that burden. It will destroy all those things. You see that? Now let's go to Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 61, hallelujah, do I have any scholars in here? Y'all missed it. Do I have any scholars in here? Remember, we're, we're here, Bright Future Scholarship, right? The scholarship. Scholarship means learning. I'm learning something. People want scholarships, but they don't want to be scholars. They want the grants. They want the money, but they don't want to be scholars. We need to be scholars in here. We need to learn something. See, I'm not here to preach to you about just, well, just hold on to God's unchanging hand and one day you're going to make it. No, you need to change something. See, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And if you and I keep doing the same thing, we're going to keep getting the same results. If we keep getting the same low-level word, we're going to keep living the same low-level lives. So I got to give you a higher-level word. So we can come up. How many of y'all want to come up? I'm tired of ugly, man. I've had enough ugly in my life. Glory to God. I want beautiful all around me. All around me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. My wife and I, we're just, we're just in the midst of right now having our house painted. And, um, and uh, they've just about finished. they got to come back and do a couple little touch-up little things here in the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, man, you look around the neighborhood, man, everybody's working, doing stuff on the house, painting and all that kind of stuff. And like, man, I'm like, wow, okay, hey, wait. Wait. No, that house, uh-uh. I don't like how this looks on the house. Let's paint this thing. and Put down some old, you know, uh, uh, mulch and, I mean, just, just dress it up. You painted your house? Yeah, we painted. Aren't you written? Yes. But we're going to leave it. If we leave, we're going to leave it better than we found it. You crazy. You crazy. I got to live there. And if I'm going to live there, it's going to be nice. Besides, we'll believe in God to own it. So that's just an investment. Faith says it's already ours. Okay? So there's an anointing to get rid of ugly. Look at this, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. This, I have this in my office. I have this up in my office. This is very scripture because I remind myself of this all the time, that when I come to preach to you, there's an anointing on me to preach something to you. To preach good tidings to the poor. What's the good tidings of the good news to the poor? You don't be poor anymore. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is the anointing on him. 
to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who are captive by all kind of ugly situations, and open up the prisons of those who are bound. People are bound. The Bible says he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Doesn't your Bible say that? He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Okay? Look at here, verse 2. To proclaim what? And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Now look at verse 3. To console those who mourn in Zion to give them what? Beauty for ashes. I'll come back. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, the garment of praise, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven is that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So when people see your life, you are God's plant. And your life as God's plant is supposed to bring glory to God. But I need the anointing. I need something preached to me to help me come out of ugly into something beautiful. And he said he gives me, by the anointing, by the preached word, beauty for ashes. Ashes is already indicative. Somebody asked me that the other night about ashes on the head and stuff like that. Ashes is already, always indicative of mourning, of sorrow, of grieving. Like, it's, it's bad. I lost my job. So, ashes. I lost my spouse. Ashes. I lost my family. Ashes. You know what I mean? Like people walked out on you. I didn't get my NFL contract. I had dreams, man. I was going to the pros. And a lot of people walk around with ashes. Still grieving over not making it to the NBA. And let ugly swallow them up. As opposed to turning to God and letting the anointing on the word of God take that and give you beauty for that. How many of y'all, you, you failed in some area of your life? You didn't, there's a dream you had that was never fulfilled in your life. And you, I mean, for, I'm not, let's be honest, let's be honest. When I was a little kid, I, I, was, I, was, I was the best quarterback in the world as a kid. I'm just telling you, I was a, no, nah, I'm talking about my opinion, this is me. I wasn't ready. This, I was the best quarterback on my street, in my neighborhood. I was all-time quarterback. I mean, I, I, I could get a ball there on a dime. So I had these dreams, man, like, man, I'm going to be in the NFL. Now, you know, I'm 49 years old. And somebody might say, Pastor, don't ever let your dream die. Listen. I'm going to let that go. The way my body's set up right now, I'm going to just let that go. It's, 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 I'll let somebody else pursue that dream. But it doesn't mean that I have to live in ashes. He wants to give me beauty for ashes. Somebody say beauty for ashes. All right, let me keep going here. Now, we're all God's children, right? Now, we're God's children. The Bible says in, in uh, 1 Peter that we are, or 2 Peter, one of those, we are partakers of God's divine nature. So we are, we are God's offspring, the Bible says in Acts 17. We're God's offspring. We're his children. We're, we're born of the seed of the word of God. So we are God's children. God lives in beautiful surroundings. Everything about God that he creates and he has around him is beautiful. You ever read a description of heaven? You simply go to the book of Revelation, you read about heaven. It's beautiful. The New Jerusalem, it's all beautiful. We already know when God built, when he rather planted the Garden of Eden, he planted something beautiful. Why? Because if he was going to come down and visit Adam, it had to be beautiful. 
God wasn't going to leave all the beauty of heaven and come down in all the ugliness of the earth. He had to put, put um, Eden there and make it beautiful. Y'all got this. In Genesis 2, 9, the Bible says in the, in the Garden of Eden, it says God made every tree grow that was pleasant to the sight. That's beautiful. He made trees grow that were pleasant to the sight. He didn't say just say trees, you know, because they give off, you know, uh, oxygen. No, these, these trees, not just good for fruit. Now, it, had, it, it included, you know, good for food, but the first thing about them was they had to be beautiful. I mean, mo most of us, we eat by our eyes anyway. Am I right about it? Sometimes our eyes are too big for our stomachs. Then sometimes it flips over, your stomachs become too big. You don't care how much, how are you? Okay, so he made every tree grow out of the ground that was pleasant to the sight in Eden. Eden, luxury, pleasure, and delight. Okay, so God wanted to establish this pattern of beautiful. Now, we're God's people, right? Yes. Now, let's keep going. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10. Deuteronomy 6 verse 10. Let's see this here. We're going to slow walk this thing down here. What's happening here, Elder Jeff? We are, if we allow it, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. What, what God is having me do is teach this word to renew our minds, to renew our minds. Okay, renew your mind. I don't have to live like that anymore. God doesn't want things in my life like that anymore. God wants things to be beautiful in my life. And he wants me to, to, to become so, 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 um, so adept at this that I can begin to help bring beauty in my neighborhood and beauty in my community and beauty in my city. That we begin, we have the same job that Adam had. When God put Adam in the Garden of Eden, it was so he could soak it up and carry it out. Y'all missed it. So he could soak it up, understand beauty, and then go out there and recreate this throughout. Because the whole earth didn't look like Eden. Only Eden looked like Eden. And his job was to soak it up. Okay, this is how we live. And then go out there and see something else like, that don't look like Eden. In the name, no, he didn't have to say in the name of Jesus. He, he would just say, be beautiful. Because he was a speaking spirit. See, so you and I, he wants to put us in beautiful situations so that we go and see something that's not beautiful and say, no, we got to fix that. We got to fix that. No, that's, that's, that neighborhood doesn't look right. How those kids are living, that's not right. How those orphans are living, that's not right. We got to fix that. that. That's what we've been doing over in that, in that uh, orphanage over there in Zimbabwe. It's like, hey, they don't have lights. That's not right. We have lights. That's beautiful. Aren't lights beautiful? Well, we want them to have lights. Well, isn't the running water and toilets beautiful? I know it's beautiful. Some of y'all grew up in Alabama. Some of y'all in, in the country. It's good to have running water, isn't it? So we started over there and said, no, they need running water. So we've been digging wells and stuff like that, like that, right? Praise God. To make it beautiful for them. Now, Deuteronomy 6.10. Look at what it says. This is what God says. The children of Israel are going into their promised land. So it shall be 
when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. So notice he first deals with us here and says to them, I'm going to give you large and beautiful cities. Large and beautiful cities. He didn't say large and run down cities. He didn't say the little, little, you know, oh, this man, this boy, you just want to speed through there. You don't want to stop through that city. He says, I want to give you, I'm going to give you large and beautiful cities. No, God didn't have to do that. Except he knows if he's going to come and dwell with them. Because remember now, they're carrying the, the tabernacle. It's a traveling tent where God will come out and meet them. So don't park my tabernacle in something ugly. I got to park it in a beautiful city so when I come down, I'm comfortable in my surroundings. Some of y'all still trying to catch on, but it's all right. It's all right. The Lord will help you. So beautiful cities. Everybody say beautiful cities. So we're supposed to be living in a beautiful city. St. Petersburg is supposed to be beautiful. They can thank us when we get to heaven. They think it's their fault. No, it's our fault. The Bible says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. So we've been speaking a blessed city. We've been speaking a beautiful city. See? That's what God's given us, beautiful cities. Cities. Somebody might take over Palmetto. I don't know who it is going to take over Palmetto. Somebody might take over a tiny Robonia or Ruskin. Or somebody might turn Largo Ridgecrest area into beautiful. Somebody, not me, but somebody. All right. Next place, let's get a little more specific. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse um, 12. Go, go back to verse 11. Let's start at verse 11. Start at verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not doing what? His judgments. And his statutes, which I command you today, verse 12 now, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built what? Beautiful. Built what? Beautiful. Say it again. Beautiful. Say it like you want it. And dwell in them. Now, whose idea is this here? So we're going from beautiful cities all the way down to beautiful houses. Beautiful houses? God wants you to have a beautiful house? Tell your neighbor, God wants you to have a beautiful house. If you want him to visit your house. Now, I know if I say this, some people in the church say just, oh, well, you know, the God is housing, cars, and all, God's not concerned about all that. Then why did he tell them that? That's his word. Why would God tell them that if this wasn't on his mind? The church is so falsely humble. Falsely humble. Fake humility. 
Because the same ones who say, well, you know, that ain't God's will, they'll be gawking, they're gawking over some, over, over some heathen's house. Some of y'all remember your old TV show, Yo MTV Cribs? Remember that? They, they came out. Oh, boy. Some of y'all remember um, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Robin Leach. I'm your host, Robin Leach, and you're watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Champagne wishes. Caviar dreams. Remember that? He'd be like, wow. When I was a kid, and I was going to um, Bardmore Elementary School, I live in the hood. I live in the hood. And um, thank God for bussing. I thank God for bussing. Because I live in the hood. Between Tangerine and Lakeview. Anybody from St. Pete, you know what I mean. Between Tangerine and Lakeview, that means between 18th and 22nd Avenue. And in the hood, all the houses, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a bad neighborhood, but um, when I got, when I get on that bus, Deacon Mac, and head to Bartmore Elementary School, y'all know what Bartmore is, and I, we pass by them houses, and I'd be like, nah, ain't no house in my neighborhood look like that. This, this, this is different. This is, this is different now. Our house is all right. It's, it's, it can accommodate all of us. But it, it don't look like that. You see? And all the kids, we'd be driving on the bus and ticket. I, I ticket that house. How many of remember that? I ticket that house. Or you see cars driving by. I ticket that car. We trying to squeeze everybody into a big old station wagon with wood paneling, you know, boom, boom, boom. That's we. I remember that. Oh, that car. It used to stink too. It used to smell like gas. Oh my god. All it's like somebody must have spilled gas all over seats or something. The whole car just smelled like gas. Boy, those some rough days. Yeah, my dad had a Cadillac at one time, but it wasn't always a Cadillac. Sometimes we used to drive in a big old. It was a big old green Econo van. You know, a big new Ford Econo. Not, not a conversion van, the ones that's supposed to have seats, multiple seats, and the seats was gone. It was a work truck. That's how we got around the church everywhere. So, I mean, these kids, they, they, don't, know, don't, they don't know anything about being poor. And days when you went to school and they forgot to give you your milk money for your little milk tickets. Y'all remember milk tickets? See? So we be, I take it that car. I take it that house. I take it that house. Now that's my house. That's my house. I got, I got it first. Now I mean something in us recognize beautiful, recognize more, recognize greater, and something on the inside. Remember this guy, uh, Jay-Z, Jay-Z, uh, what's his real name? 
Sean, Sean Carter. He talked about how uh, it was when he was in uh, what I forgot what grade it was, third grade or something like that. When he they went on a, on a trip to his teacher's house, and the teacher's refrigerator had an ice maker or something like in the door. It messed him up. He said that's what put this impetus in him to become wealthy, to build an empire that he's built. Because he saw, what's this refrigerator? I mean, you go home in your refrigerator, you chiseling the ice off the thing. Y'all may remember that. Before we had these frost-free refrigerators, you had to go home and chip in the ice, and it's like, it's like a snowstorm in your, inside your refrigerator. You had, had the, old, the, old, the old ice trays, metal ice trays. You had to try to run them under some water, run them under some water, and turn to open these kids go down, they just, Psh, I want ice. But back in the day, Robert, we had to go, if, if finally you had the little plastic ones, you had tried to twist the plastic one to get the ice out, crack them, I mean, come on. Just doing the best we can, D, just doing the best we can. And we got, we got, hey, we start getting fancy. We start making Kool-Aid, right? And pouring Kool-Aid in the ice tray. Oh, my, 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 my. Woo-wee. Come on, they don't know nothing about that. Back in the day. Get up on a Saturday morning, get you a big old bowl of Captain Crunch, man, and watch some Creature Feature. Dr. Paul Barrow. See, but God, what he'll do is he'll expose you to something bigger. Something better to show you there's more out there. And if you'll follow me, if you'll obey me, if you'll keep my commands, I will bring you to a place where you will build, not just buy, where you will be able to build. How many of y'all want to build? That's your word. You will build beautiful houses and dwell in them. Why? Because if God's going to visit your house, has to be beautiful. Now, don't make the mistake of looking at this scripture, and I, I know y'all are good on it because y'all are, y'all are shouting like you believe it. But there are people who will see this and say, they will limit this to the children of Israel and say, that was for them. That's not God's word. That's not relevant for us today. Remember what we've been looking at. Look in Ecclesiastes 3.15. Ecclesiastes 3.15, that's the word we've been looking at the last two messages here. That which is has already been, and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Give me the King James version on that. That'll make it easier for us to understand a little bit better. A little bit better here, the King James, because what we see God did for the children of Israel is what we see he's going to do for us. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Give me the ERV, the easy to read version. Give me the easy to read version, because this is going to help somebody here, somebody, I don't know who it is, but it's going to help somebody probably right on this side right here. Easy to read. What happened in the past has happened. And what will happen in the future 
will happen, but God wants to help those who have been treated badly. Maybe it wasn't that side. It might be over here. Anybody been treated badly? You've been afflicted in your life? God says, I'm going to help you the same way the children of Israel were afflicted 400 years, and I'm going to help those who were treated badly and brought them out of slavery, brought them out of bondage, brought them out of less than enough into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of more than enough, into beautiful cities and beautiful houses. He said, I'm going to do the same thing for you. I wish I had somebody who would get a hold of that right now. We see a repeat. A repeat of what happened in the past. God says, well, you can read that same verse in other translations to say, God makes things happen over and over and over again. So whatever we saw God do for somebody else, we're going to see him do it for us too. If they had beautiful cities, we're going to have beautiful cities. If they built beautiful houses. Now remember now, he said cities, beautiful cities you didn't build. But the houses you build. Beautiful cities you didn't build. We don't have to build a city. But I do get to build my house. And if God did that for them, I don't care if you lost a house before. When God gets done, before you leave this planet, it ought to be in your heart to build a beautiful house. Well, I'm on, I'm on Social Security. That ain't got nothing to do with anything. What they got to do with anything? You can't build out of Social Security. You sure can't. But you can build it on God's security. You can build it on God's finances. That the moment God gets involved, you step into a whole new dynamic. It's a whole new dimension with God, see? And he's trying to get us to see that the beautiful things that he put there for them, he's going to do the same things for us. So notice it says here in 315 in the easy to read version, but God wants to help those who have been treated badly. Can I show you something here? Hallelujah. Go to Genesis 15. Now remember what, in fact, we had this discussion back in the, in the back hallway this morning, Deacon Robert, talking about how uh, whatever, you, whatever, you, whatever concept you see, whatever principle you see, you got to find it in Genesis. Because Genesis is the beginning, and Isaiah 54 to 610 says God declares the end from the beginning. So whatever we see God do in the beginning is what we, we're going to see him do in the end for us. So we see our future when we look at their past. Got it? So, remember now, we just read how he's going to help those who've been treated how? Badly. Badly. Now, look at Genesis 15, verses 13 and 14. We can go back to the New King James Version, please. It says, then he, this is God, said to Abram, know certainly that your descendants 
will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Come on now. And will serve them. Treat it badly. And they will afflict them. Treat them badly. 400 years. And also, verse 14, now watch this. The nation whom they serve, I will judge. So all the ones who treated them badly, I will judge them. Afterward, somebody shout afterward. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. So 400 years of being treated badly, he says, but afterward, they will come out. That's good right there. I didn't even see that, Lord. Afterward, they will come out. You ain't going to stay there always. Afterward, they will come out. Did they come out? The Bible says God brought them out with silver and gold, and there was no feeble one among them. When God brought them out, they came out just like you're going to come out with great possessions. What we saw God do for them, he said, I'm going to repeat the same thing in your generation, in your lifetime. If you've been going through, if you've been afflicted, don't focus on the affliction. Focus on the afterward. Oh, my, 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 my. Help me out. Tell somebody, don't focus on the, on the, on the affliction. Focus on the afterward. Because God's going to bring you out with great possessions. He's going to bring you out with your hands full. King James says he's going to bring you out with great substance. He doesn't bring you out empty-handed. Now what you got to do is make sure you don't quit during the affliction. You don't stop during the affliction. You don't draw back during the affliction. You don't throw in the towel during the affliction. But while you're being afflicted, you keep your eyes and your mind on the promise of God, the prophetic word, that though, though I go through it for just a little while, I'm going to come out, and when I come out, I'm coming out with my hands full. When I come out, I'm going to come out with great possessions. When I come out, I'm going to come out, and he's going to take me in into beautiful cities and into a beautiful house that I'm going to build. Notice it says afterward. Let me ask you this. Are you ready for great possessions? Anybody here today, are you ready for some great possessions? Anybody feel like you already been through hell and high water? Well, the hell and high water is, is the precursor. The blessing comes with persecution. So if you are, thank you, Holy Ghost. Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when you get surrounded by enemies, get your knife and fork and put on your cape. Because you know that the, the table couldn't be there without the enemies being there. So don't look at the enemies. Get ready to eat. Anybody been surrounded by enemies in your life? Feel like even right now the devil's coming all up against you. Get your knife and your fork ready because you're about to eat. Somebody tell you, you're about to eat. You're about to eat. 
Your enemies are an indication that the table is being set. Your cup can't run over till the enemies show up. That, uh, that burden removing yoke, destroying oil, that, that anointing is going to remove the burdens in your life, destroy the yokes in your life. It's going to hit when the enemies are present. So the key is, is I don't focus on the affliction. Genesis 15, 14. I don't focus on the affliction, I focus on the afterward. There's an afterward. There's an afterward. I'm going to come out of this thing. Just to show us I'm black, I'm going to come out of this thing here. Somebody say afterward. And afterward, it's going to be great possessions. Now, it means before it's going to be great affliction. But afterward, it's going to be great possessions. Now, the New Testament validates this. In 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. I want you to see this here. I might. We'll just finish the, the introduction today. Look at this. It says, for our light affliction. Remember it said they were going to be afflicted 400 years. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's a start and an end to it. Is working. Oh, Jesus. Somebody shout, it's working. For us. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How is affliction working for me? Because the affliction doesn't come from God. The affliction comes from the enemy. But just like Joseph told his brothers, that what you meant for evil, God has turned it for my good. So what the devil means for evil, how he means to destroy you, how he means to take you out, God has an uncanny ability to turn things around in your favor, turn things around for your good, turn things around for your prosperity, and make all things now work together for your. So the affliction is working for me. Now, what is it working? A far more exceeding. A far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Now, now that you gotta you gotta watch this here. The affliction is doing something. It's it's my, my wife at our house, she she makes uh every couple days or so uh, a pot of tea. Some tea. Cold uh, heat we brew some tea. And and now that tea bag. That tea bag sitting in the cabinet in the pantry does nothing. Oh, 
Crystal, you got it. It's not until she takes that tea bag and puts it in water and turns the heat up. Somebody tell, tell your neighbor, you're not drowning and you're not on fire. You're in the water and the heat is rising. But it's bringing something out of you. It's developing something in you that you weren't going to get sitting on the shelf. You weren't going to get sitting on the counter. You weren't going to get sitting in the counter. You weren't going to get it until you go through some hell and high water. That's what it is, hell and high water. But when you go through hell and high water, it is working for you a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Just, just holler, it's working for me. Just shout it again like you mean, it's working for me. Oh, it don't feel good, but it's working for me. It doesn't look good, but it's working for me. Oh, I don't really want to go through it, but it's working for me. Oh, God, he's going to help me in due time, but it's working for me. Everything you've ever been through, if you look back, come on, help me out. Everything you've ever been through, if you look back and really analyze, you came out better, you came out stronger, you came out wiser, you came out serving God more, you came out better than you were when you went in. And it's not that God did it. God allowed it the same way he allowed it for Job. And put limitations on it. Because he had an end in mind. And notice it says here, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That word glory is the, he, is the Greek word doxa. It's talking about uh, preeminence and majesty and splendor and is working for us a, a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, splendor and 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 and, and lavishness. It's so it's can I, can, I, can, I just, can I just can I just put it in in common vernacular? When you come through what you're going through, you're gonna walk a lot heavier. Some of y'all, you don't know what that means. Some of y'all, you, you, don't, you don't know what it means to walk heavy. When, when you walk heavy, it means you carry weight. You carry some authority. You carry some dignity. People know who you are. Like Job, when Job walked into a place, people knew who he was because Job walked heavy. Abraham walked heavy. Isaac walked heavy. Jacob walked heavy. Joseph walked heavy. David walked heavy. Solomon walked heavy. Jesus walked heavy. And he wants you, when you go through this trial, when you go through this affliction, you're going to come out walking much heavier. When you walk heavy, it means people know you're there. People know you're there. People know you're there. You carry a certain level of respect. You carry a certain level of, of, of honor because something is on you. Something is on you. Something is on your life. And the affliction you're going through now, it says, it's working for you 
a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Are you ready to walk heavier than you ever walked? Are you ready to carry some weight and carry some clout in the earth? God's going to let you carry some weight and carry some clout. That's beyond your education. That's beyond your vocation. That's beyond your last name. You're going to carry some weight and some clout because you've been through the storm. You've been through the rain. You've been through the fire. You've been through the flood. You were not burned. You didn't drown. But God brought out of you in the midst of all that what the devil meant for your evil. God turned it for your good. God turned it for your good. I'm going to quit right there. Do I have anybody who's ready to walk heavy? Get on your feet right now. Get on your feet right now. James 5.11. No, no, go, go back, go back. Give me, give me uh, 2 Corinthians 4.17 again. This, this is the, the, the key to it. I almost said trick. There ain't no tricks in the kingdom. This is the key to it. Verse 18. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, But at, oh, but we look at the things which are not seen. That's what faith can do. For the things which are seen, whatever you see right now, is ugly, but it's temporary. It's not well pleasing to the eyes, but it's temporary. I'm coming up short over here, but it's temporary. I'm coming up short every month, but it's temporary. The condition you're in right now, your state of affairs right now, it's temporary. That's why you got to be careful that you don't allow yourself to be tricked by the enemy into making a permanent decision based on a temporary condition. Many times that's how he gets us. He'll have us make permanent decisions. Over something temporary. The trouble you're in right now is just temporary. It's about for a moment. Now don't go do something drastic. The ultimate thing the devil does is he gets people to commit suicide. That's the ultimate permanent decision. On something temporary. Something that they thought that's how their life was going to end. And he tricked them into ending their lives. But it's only temporary. Thank you, Lord. I don't care what it looks like right now. It's just temporary. Don't look at that. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And again, verse 17 says that he's working out for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Thank you, Lord. Now, I didn't get into the message today, what I wanted to get to. Not at all. 
Uh, so come, come Wednesday, I'm going to get into this beautiful garments. But God, God is so loving and so patient. The Bible talks about him in James 5, about the patient farmer. God is like the patient farmer in James 5. He's waiting, he's working to get the harvest he wants. There's a harvest God's trying to get from the seed of this word he's sowing into in our hearts. And that harvest is you and me living in beautiful surroundings and beautiful situations. We started out some weeks ago, we dealt with this somewhere about how people are attracted to beauty. So when you and I are now living in beautiful everything, <laughs> we become so very attracted to the world. And that's his point. It's to get the whole world out of darkness into the light. To take people, you know, that's why, that's why the Bible says, to quote that, not many wise are called, not many noble are called. He doesn't, he doesn't call the ones who already think they have it going on because they already think they have it going on. So it takes the ones who know, I ain't got it going on, I, I got nothing. Lord, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he takes them and he raises them up. Blesses them and puts them on display to show the world what he can do. And that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us if we'll let him. Amen. Do you receive that today? Put those hands together and give God a great praise for the word of God. At least as far as we got. Father, today I'm praying for these your precious people that God, as we have heard and received the word, I pray that we have received it. That Lord, even as you have just begun to open the door into this area for us, to cause us to see the end that's intended by you. Just like we saw with Job's life, how he went through all the affliction, all the things that he went through from Satan, how Satan afflicted his body, took his children, destroyed his livelihood, his, his business. And yet in all this, Job did not sin or charge you foolishly. But he held on to his faith. He held on. Your word says, Father, Job said it, that the righteous also shall hold on to his way and he that, that has clean hands will grow stronger and stronger. Today we want to keep our hands clean, we want to keep our hearts clean and hold on and get stronger and stronger. Father, I pray that these, your people, will allow the light of your word to fill our hearts completely that all darkness that's there will be driven out by the light of your word. That we will know and understand, Father, just how much you have in store, just how much you want to do, just how much you want to turn our lives around, just how much you loved us to give Jesus Christ on the cross to die in our place, that, God, that we will see that, God, there's a mean, that it was a means to an end that you want to restore to us Eden, the kingdom life 
For Father, when Jesus came preaching, he came preaching in Mark chapter 1, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we repent, we change our thinking, and we let the kingdom that is at hand fill our hearts today. God, thank you that, Lord, you'll use us not only to demonstrate what it is to live beautiful lives, but you'll use us to help bring beauty into other people's lives. That as we get people saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, that as we get people to have their minds renewed by the word of God, they'll begin to understand and learn what it is to live a beautiful life. And God, I pray that each of us today would become proof of the concept of your will in our lives. Let it be done, even according to your word and your will, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God, praise God, praise God.